0: Faster than the speed of sound At an early age you wanted to get out To pursue adventures all around Things got tough sometimes But it's all good cause Tales is his best friend He's always there for him He's his kick to panic in times over and over again What to see what to get Just to guide a man
1: who ventures It's Sonic the Hedgehog Hello everyone and welcome to the IDW Sonic Rundown now, first, you may be asking, Aaron, why are you doing the opening for this? Speedo is... Do- nope, too bad. Today, we've got some of the most wild shit this comic pulls off. We have said that a couple times while reading through IDW, but um, we're going to be reading some of that today. So but we will tell you we'll be starting with something light, something not too serious, mostly just in the realm of feel good before diving headfirst into
2: why the Sonic world should have a Hague. Let's put it like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I mean I when I, I I had an idea to open the show with, "Hey guys, you know, I say this a lot, but you know, uh, oh, we're going to be having some fun stuff. There's a lot of crazy things going on and I say that a lot, but I am a weasel little liar and I understand nothing." And it's true, folks. All those times that I said we've got something big for you today, throw it out the window. I am a weasel little liar and I do understand nothing because this is probably The craziest the Sonic comics have ever gone.
1: Yeah, we're going to dive into it more when we get to Imposter Syndrome, which is the four-issue miniseries that uh, is going to consume the majority of this episode. But we did a lot of prep work for this, because people have viewed this within a very specific context. But the more you think about it, the more wild what they were able to get away with comes into light. (laughs) So... So, it's me, Aaron, it's my, it's my my good main host, Speed. We are here today to talk about IDW Sonic, starting with IDW Sonic issue
2: number 45. With Evan Stanley doing both the writing and the art.
1: So we open on Tails' house in Central City, as Amy has her car parked outside. Sonic letting her know, where do you want all this stuff? As
2: he carries out a big thing of camping gear. She thanks Tails for letting him borrow that camping gear, says, oh, you know, if there's anything I can do to pay you back or anything, he says, oh, yes, actually, you can. Please give me detailed reviews of all the camping gear. Any and all feedback will help me improve the prototypes, okay? And and Amy's just a little worried that they are just prototypes with Sonic just kind of ribbing her saying, wow, Amy, I thought you were a hedgehog, not a guinea pig. But I'm Tish.
1: I I I, just, I can't.
2: <laughs> Amy ultimately thinks it's gonna be fine. You know, this is the first time that she and the girls can just hang out without some kind of weird crisis going on. I'm gonna take full advantage. Foreshadowing is a narrative device. Ha <laughs> ha! Yes, 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 yes,
1: yes, yes. Sonic says, you know, it sounds nice. Can't beat the wildflowers in the Zone Park this time of year. Before Tails tags in, saying, You promised you play the new game from ages with me this weekend. I need a player two for versus mode. Ah, well, he's right. Guess I'm booked. <laughs> uh, the, well... A Good good narrative device to get the boys out of the story. Uh, they're, they're just going to be vibing playing video games. We, uh, we love to see it. Hey, even world heroes need a break sometimes.
2: Facts, and uh, Tails is definitely playing Virtua Fighter. You think he fucks up
1: with uh, Akira? Uh,
2: yeah, sure, let's go with that. I feel like that's wish fulfillment for him.
1: Yeah, exactly.
2: Now with Amy on her way, some pickups later, Amy's driving along with Jewel, Tangle, and Belle in her car. Tangle very excited to go out, brave the outdoors with nothing but our wits and guts. Which leads Amy to ask Belle, are you comfortable back there? And she says she's fine, but uh Tangle is also shuffling around her back thinking that she should have brought a knife with her. Jewel reminds her, you know, this is more of a nature hike and marshmallow roads kind of trip. But our girl Tangle says it's an adventure all the same. Going out to see the world. But Tangle thinks back to a couple days ago. She's outside Silver's garden and Whisper was seen sneaking out of the tool shed with her whips. She says to herself that this is for the best, but they end up catching Tangle, who's about to go out for her morning jog. Says, oh, can I tag along too? To her surprise. But Tangle asks, like, are are you all right? What's going on? Whisper adds, I've been here too long. Tangle insists, you're always welcome here at the restoration, but Whisper has to remind her, Mimic is out there free. I'm a liability, and I don't want anyone here in danger. And, you know, Tangle with the, the big sad eyes but but you just you just got here whisper again insist your place is with the restoration mine is not and so she walks away with tangle just watching her go what's the saying goes uh i i hate to watch her go but i love to watch her leave something like that
1: yeah uh, something 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 like i don't know
2: maybe 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 tangle snaps back to the present and tells jewel that she just got distracted thinking about restoration stuff which jewel says she can relate to hard to tear herself away from so much important work seeing as a tangle is trying to rip her away from her desk in a flashback but as for bell she was thinking about her work in the repair shop but amy's just pepping everybody up this is why we need our girls night i'm not taking no for an answer and i've done my research where we're going is the best campsite around and that's an amy rose guarantee as they arrive at the campsite it's completely packed gates all backed up eventually they get into the gate Got a reservation for site number 97. And the park ranger, who I do not think is officially named, but I will lovingly call him Smokey the Bear. Yes, he's very cute. We, we, we love this design. Tells the girls that they got some new regs in place this year. The metal virus tore through the place over the winter. And the metal plants don't exactly absorb water, so it missed hydration season last time. The whole park is bone dry and can go up in flames. So, fires are allowed only in these marked areas. Be sure to fully douse the coals before you leave the campsite. And no burning trash, you gotta take them here. As he is interrupted by his son with his pet burst wisp, burns the map, Smokey has to chase them. I told you, no fire if you come to work with me.
1: This is foreshadowing.
2: It is, in fact, a narrative device. With that done, the girls make it to their campsite. They're setting up. Amy's setting up the table with Belle jewel and tangle are attempting to do the tent though they complain that half the instructions are geometry equations who the fuck wrote this
1: ah come on come on tails why why you gotta be like this dog
2: jimmy neutron looking ass (laughs) that is a jimmy neutron move now that i think about
1: it yeah it's a neutron style
2: moment if there ever was one jewel tells tangle thread that pole but she inadvertently whacks jewel trying to hear her they're digging through the bags amy figures tails would pack all these doodags like this custom fishing pole but not the essentials like matches Belle though says she can take care of that and unfurls one of her fingers to produce a lighter it's not something she'd rather do it's a little Nerve-wracking to handle fire when you're made of wood, you know? Ah, you know,
1: just a casual Eggman moment if there ever was one.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I guess some of the thought process did not escape as Mr. Tinker. Belle apologizes for being a downer, but Amy says, No, don't worry, I have a little trick up my sleeve. Later that night, they're all set up. They're gathered around the campfire, they're roasting marshmallows, and, you know, hey, Jewel, Tangle, how'd the tent pitching go? Tangle does not answer. She's lost in thought. And her marshmallow catches fire in the process, and she says everything's okay, just has some stuff to think about. Amy
1: is uh, trying to defuse the tension by saying that they she wants to get the night started. Belle asking how, with Amy pulling out her tarot cards. <laughs> so, for those who don't know, one of the original descriptions for Amy in one of the, I believe it was one of the manuals, I don't know if it was Japanese or, or English, I, I forget. But there was a description that Amy apparently likes reading people's fortunes with tarot cards. And this has become a part of her character now. This has become something that has become referenced and discussed as of the last couple of years. And honestly, it's really cute. It's another small thing that adds to Amy's growing and, you know, more unique character to make her more individualized.
2: Yeah, and it's also very funny considering how popular, you know tarot cards and stuff like that have become you know kind of mainstream
1: thanks to a certain franchise that we talked uh, extensively about on the pre-show patreon.com slash hogspeed discount code alpha
2: five dollars a month she adds that she has become an expert practitioner over the years and these cards brought someone very important to her to which we have a little scene uh see so we see sonic entails gaming sonic sneezes out of the blue <laughs> <laughs> yeah if you're if you're not aware there is kind of like a japanese little uh myth where if you suddenly sneeze that means someone's talking about you behind your back whether
1: good or bad. Zam, I did not realize it went that deep. Okay, that's a pretty good joke. (laughs) Yeah,
2: it's a little fun piece of her character that was lost and to add on to what you said about the manuals, I'm pretty sure it was the Japanese manuals that had that little flavor text because I remember this distinctly in the original English manual of Sonic CD, Amy was called Princess Sally. Kill us. No further comment. To also add on, it turns out, and this was revealed or kind of leaked a while ago, Turns out Barnes and Noble are going to be selling officially licensed Sonic Tarot cards modeled after these. Ayo? Yeah, I think you can pre-order them now. And I think Ian was asked about it on the Bumblecast. He said he's gonna be writing the reference book, and Diana Skelly will be doing the art for the cards.
1: Oh, that's so dope. Uh, that's great. Uh maybe I'll pick up a maybe I'll pick up a pack.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think it comes out in October, so uh. Yeah.
1: Uh, perfect, perfect for the season, you know?
2: Oh, yeah. Amy shuffles the cards. These cards are going to unveil your destiny. And Belle asks, if you can you really predict the future with these, Amy? As a jewel goes full glasses nerd emoji. Actually, it's more about suggestion, you know? Present someone with open-ended prediction. They'll associate with their own life experiences. Loser! Loser!
1: Loser! You're a loser! Are you feeling sorry? I'm I, 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 Are you feeling it, sorry for yourself? Sorry for yourself? Oh, okay, okay. All right, all right, all right. All
2: <sighs> so Amy goes, oh, you doubt my power. Maybe a demonstration will change her mind. So she does some little hand flips, pulls out a card, and it shows the Master Emerald on it. This card is called the Master. It signifies strength and leadership, a unifier of chaos. Wouldn't she say this fits, Miss Director? To which Jewel takes the card and is like, yeah, well, yeah,
1: sure. Pretty sure the Master is supposed to be uh, the Emperor in uh, in the tarot deck uh, so I believe that is the association, correct?
2: Yeah, I don't, I think Ian said that they're not exact one-to-ones, or it was either Ian or Evan saying that they're not supposed to be exact one-to-ones, but I'm sure. So it's
1: its own, so it's its own nomenclature, which is fair. Yeah. Yeah. It's, but it's generally based off of the idea of the, of, of the cards,
2: you know? Yeah, but, uh, it's funny you mentioned that because, uh, with that being said, I actually kind of made a connection in my head about something, but I'll get, I'll get into that in a second. With the master pulled through, Amy asked, who's next? Tangle asks, well, you know, what if it turns out we get a a card that we don't like? And he's like, well, you won't know till you try. That's the fun of it. So Amy then pulls Tangle's fortune and she says it's actually really interesting. It's called Chow's Fruit. It symbolizes the balance of opposing sides. It can mean a lot of things. Showdown, a moral dilemma, even a partnership. Any of that ring a bell? To which uh, Tangle, uh, a dumb himbo if I would ever say one, she just says, no, I don't really, (laughs) nah, nah. Uh, Yeah, kind of, you know. You know. So uh, she goes, well, you know, beside the Zeti attack, we don't really get a lot of excitement around Restoration HQ, seeing as Jewel kind of seems a little dejected. Then Belle asks, well, do the cards work on robots? And she says, yes, of course they do. She pulls one saying, you know, so long as you're open, the cards will not steer you in the right threat. Amy's a little shocked to see Belle's card and will not show it to her. But Belle really wants to know, like, you know, is it about my dad or anything? But Amy's like, no, I don't. uh, uh, don't, It's fine. It's fine. fine. (laughs) To which Belle then uh, accidentally
1: trips and the card burns into the fire, her uh, extremely nervous, saying that she's sorry. So what was her original card?
2: Well, number one, as far as the card burning goes, I again say foreshadowing is an error to device. That's number one. Number two, according to Evan, Belle's unseen card pull was the floating island, but inverted, making it the falling island, an omen of great peril which makes me think it's the tower.
1: It's the tower. I was about to say, that's the tower. For those that don't know, the tower in tarot cards represents the idea of climbing a tower and then a massive cataclysm occurring, which causes you to fall off said tower. In Persona, this is often represented by characters with the tower arcana having a lot of personality issues or going through a massive change in their life that changes who they are. Because, you know, when you fall... You can only get back up. Top of the world, then you fall the fuck down. So when it's inverted, it means that a great tragedy is about to befall you. Towers upward, then down, but inverted is down, then up.
2: Ooh-ha! <laughs> anyway. Fellas! The vibes are fucked. So Jules decides, alright, I'm just gonna go to bed, fuck this. But Tangle thinks, no, 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 the night's still young, but Jules like, no, I'm not a night owl, good night. So Tangle just says, okay, whatever, that all the girls have fallen asleep, but Belle kind of wants to just get up and walk around as she feels a little uncomfortable. Takes a night hike and comes across a shrub that is cut to look like Sonic's head. That's a little different than normal. And that bush starts to rustle. In a panic, Belle tries to get out a flashlight, but the best she can get is her lighter finger. She kind of inches closer to it. Please be nice, please be nice, please be nice. As a motobug revs out of the bush and ends up hitting Belle's head. But her finger is still lit.
1: Meanwhile, much later that night, Amy walks out of the tent. She starts to smell something funky before recognizing a massive fire has started. Alerting the others, waking up to mass panic.
2: They see the fire raging through. If it comes through here, there's going to be nothing left. Other campers are panicking, trying to escape. Cars are hitting each other. As obviously members of the restoration... They gotta step in. But Tangle can't see where Belle is. Unfortunately, they can't find her. Nowhere to be seen. But Amy sees Smokey, who's calling out for his son. By the way, his name is Ash.
1: Ha,
2: ha, ha, (laughs) ha. Ha, And he's worried for his son. He's always running off into the woods by himself. So Tangle nobly offers to go find him. as Out there is where she can do good. So Amy divvies up. Tangle will be on search and rescue. Herself, Jewel, and Smokey will be on evac. So they break and Tangle starts heading off into the burning forest as she says, good luck, everyone. We're gonna need it. And that's the end of issue 45.
1: Mostly a setup issue, but um, I'm a fan of the, uh, I guess, the the general setup that's going on here with the girls. There's there's clearly gonna be some narrative resolution for these characters moving into this arc, but yeah, uh, I'd say we just continue.
2: Yeah, I mean, I do want to shout out all the, uh, the fun little tarot card reading. I'm a fan of that.
1: Yeah, there's going to be some... Uh... Some interesting stuff going on there.
2: Move on. Sonic number 46. Evan Stanley writing and herself and Adam Bryce Thomas doing the art. We open as Belle wakes up. I'm Belle. Nice to meet you.
1: Full page spread. The inferno is raging. Two silhouettes appear in front of Belle. She can't make out what they are. But one has a ponytail and the other looks a bit like a fox.
2: We'll get back to this
1: very soon.
2: Belle immediately notices all the fire around her, even seeing her hand, the wooden exoskeleton, has been burned off. But the motobug that knocked her out sees her on fire, comes around, plants itself into the ground, and revs up kicking dirt onto Belle, which extinguishes the remaining fire. So, this badnik is friendly. It even pulled her out of harm's way, she notices, and she thought she was the only badnik mate to help, which makes her think about her hand and the lighter and thus thinks she may have something to do with this wildfire. Unfortunately, no time to talk. Tangle ends up finding her. She's okay. And then tries to back her away from the bad dick. But Belle says, no, 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 it's fine. This helped me out. I think it's wires maybe crossed or something. Tangle can get behind that. I do want to point this out just for clarity's sake. This one motobug is the one that Eggman made when Starline kidnapped him to restore him from his Mr. Tinker persona. Just for clarity's sake.
1: Very cute. He's just a little guy.
2: Yeah, they call him Motobud in the future.
1: Yeah, it's a a cute little name. (laughs)
2: Love this little guy. So Tangle sees Belle's hand that was burnt off and she wraps it in protective cloth, you know. She's not in pain, but you know, let's, let's, let's at least dress this up. Belle is just about to confess to her starting the fire to tangle, but she says, up, save it. We gotta find the bear cub. We go back to the campground where Amy and Smokey are trying to figure out a strategy out of here. Smokey says this campground was overcrowded to begin with and the road out was not made to deal with heavy traffic. With the wind pushing the fire our way, we don't have that much time. So this leads Amy to ask, why are you keeping the gates closed? He says it's to prevent people from stampeding out of here. And Jewel doesn't really have any ideas. We need to coordinate, but everyone here just seems so angry. So Amy thinks, let's try to get everybody together. But some of the campers demand Smokey open the gates. We got families and kids in danger. To which he snaps, hey, I got a kid out there too. As they go, oh, yeah, the kid with the red wisp, right? The fiery red wisp? Where's it now, huh? I don't know. My kid's still out there. Oh, so you expect us to follow your orders? And as they're bickering, Amy and Jewel slip around to the other side of the rock they were standing in front of. Campers are demanding to leave. Smokey's trying to uphold his authority in this situation. Until suddenly, the ground beneath them cracks, done by Amy's hammer. Everyone, shut up and listen. you got every right to be scared. Of course you want to protect your friends and family. But the gate is closed for good reason. The road is so small, if we all try to leave at once, we're going to end up stuck here. So, what are we going to do about the fire? Well... <laughs> Amy admits she's kinda of more uh the, the taking the charge kinda of leader. Uh Jewel, your logistics. To which she kind of panics being put on the spot, but what's the plan here? The guy is going to leave and says he's going to be the one to do something, and then Amy snaps, hey, yo, you want some hammer? No, then give her a minute. Bless, bless Amy.
1: Very based. Amy asks Jewel what's wrong, where she basically starts to open up about one of her central dilemmas. What gives me the right to tell these people what to do? The only things I'm good with are paperwork and rocks. I stumbled through the metal virus, then Eggman attacked, then the Zeddy, the restoration can't even keep its own people safe, and I can't even help my best friend. To which Amy responds, you know what else you've been doing this whole time? You're best. You've made it this far, and with every new challenge, you're getting a little stronger. Even if you don't think so yet, I'm certain you can handle this. Sometimes, you gotta take things on faith, you know? She pulls out the MasterCard she gave and gives it back. Aw, look at that look
2: at that and seeing as uh we've used the persona terminology right now i'm uh sticking to it the master is her arcana here real <sighs> and real and true look real, listen real, and listen uh, sega uh, sega owns atlas i'm making a fair call here <laughs> jewel thanks her has her arcana in hand and starts addressing everybody if we could approach this crisis as a group i'm sure we can make it through together number one Anyone with a high-capacity vehicle can help getting children and the elders to safely. Then, we protect ourselves from the forest. The ranger should have maintenance equipment we all can use. We don't have the resources to put out the fire, but we can mitigate its spread. As we now see a montage, the campers are using shovels to dig a trench. will promise can't promise everything will go perfectly, but together, we can put together a fighting chance. As we then skip to the forest, Tangle is struggling to walk, Belle asking if she's okay. She says it's all good, but she's coughing as a just a side effect of having lungs, you feel me? Belle takes her to where the smoke is much thinner, and they look beyond in a canyon, and they see Ash down there with his whisk. So, they gotta move into action. Tangle leaps down the hill and Belle follows, but Tangle keeps coughing and can't really keep control of her body, which leaves the Motobud to drive down, scoop Belle up, and Belle pulls Tangle behind her. Unfortunately, the solid ground below is too small for Motobud to break, so Belle gives Tangle her tail. When I say pull, pull, and so once they're close enough, yanks Belle's tail, and Belle kicks up, As the three leap over the canyon, but it's just not quite enough to make it, it looks like. Tangle then thinks quick and closes the gap, uses her tail to grapple a rock on the other side, right next to Ash, and they yank themselves up to the other side. Not a perfect landing, all things considered, but they're alive.
1: Well, I I do like when Belle gets into her heroics and, uh, you know, she she gets to be pretty cool like that, even with uh, her limited combat capabilities. As Belle walks up to Ash, he's frightened. Don't hurt us. I don't want to fight. Listen to me carefully this is very important Walks up honk do you think you can remember that <laughs> <laughs> tangle tangle is in complete disbelief at this like just in the most like stunned amazed like Wah, funny clown nose if you tell anyone i will disassemble your bicycle and hide every piece <laughs>
2: Alright, that's a good one. Bell asks if Ash was around when the fire started, but he immediately insists it wasn't him or Red Hot, his wisp, but he says he saw who did. There was a lady with big spikes and a boy his size. The lady made lightning with her hands, and that's what started the fire. We'll get back to this. Belle is relieved that it wasn't her, ultimately, but Tangle thinks someone throwing lightning around is new, but Belle says that she saw two people matching that description walking through the fire. And Ash is actually relieved that somebody believes him, so let's get him back to his dad. Ash tells him to follow this river downstream. It heads right back to the campsite. He and Red go up here all the time. Better than dealing with the fire, Tangle thinks, so they try to hedge their bets. Fortunately, a tree is caught on fire, burns off, and the trunk falls near them. Tangle tackles Belle and Ash to protect the two of them, Bug covers his eyes to not see the result. Unfortunately, they are dangling off the ravine. Tangle is hanging on for dear life with her tail, but the burning trunk splits yet again. The ground loosens, and the three of them, plus Motobug now, fall into the ravine
1: this is not looking good for our team but a pretty solid issue complete with some very important foreshadowing but i think we should just finish out this little arc right here uh before we speak any further shall we
2: we shall sonic the hedgehog issue 47 writing and art done by evan stanley the gang are mostly safe on the river the tree trunk is a makeshift boat effectively tangle is holding onto the trunk using her tail to reach bell grab on everybody so bell latches is on but unfortunately tangle can't reel in as she rolls on the trunk in the river the rolling effectively caused her to make a better grip for the trunk but either way she thinks it was a fun feeling i want to roll it again no looks like they're gonna do a little bit of white water rafting tangle tells them hold on it's gonna get bumpy as bell freaks out that the way the rocks are set up they're definitely gonna get splintered and now ash is freaking out he's starting to cry but bell brings him back hey kiddo Let's be brave together. We're not going to get hurt, okay? I'm going to make sure. And that leads to Belle hanging on to Ash as Tangle really hypes up the river ride. And Belle asks Tangle, how can you enjoy this? And she's like, what do you mean? How can you not? Tangle then kind of opens up a little bit. She says she's always wanted to be an adventure, you know, doing things, helping people, just going for it, you know, like Whisper is. Belle is about to ask who Whisper is, but uh, is stunned with the log leaping out of the water from a small waterfall. But Tango says, not this is it. This is exactly what I want. They land in calmer waters. And Belle tells her, you know, it's not so easy for everyone to believe in themselves like you do. You're lucky. As Tangle's like, huh, I mean, I guess I just never thought of it like that. But unfortunately, there's a bigger waterfall coming up. On the exact other side, Amy is starting a bucket chain to collect the river water as the log comes down and rolls near them. Amy tells the person behind her to take cover and then goes to check on them. They're looking around, Amy and Jewel are, and pull Tangle out of the water. She's okay, along with Belle, Ash, and Red Hot. Smokey is very grateful to see his son safe. I don't know how to thank you for this, but Belle just assures him, it's what we do, all right? Tangle happy to see the tamp intact, but Jewel thinks that the fire break won't hold for long. Then panics when she sees Moto Bud, but Tangle says, no, 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 That one's safe. He helped us escape the forest. He may be a defect. But Amy thinks that a defective motobug is a first, but uh, I guess they're kind of cute when they're not trying to run you over, I guess. (laughs) Well, it's not wrong. Jewel gets everyone's attention back. Guys, it's only a matter of time till the fire breaks through. We may have to finish the evac now. As Amy figures, well, that's it for the forest. I guess I'm sorry for roping you guys into this. If you guys want to leave, I don't blame you. But I think it's worth it to try to save the forest. Belle says, no, don't take the blame. Tangle does not want to give up either. She's actually having a pretty fun time as Belle is very intrigued with her idea of fun. But let's just help. But Jewel, she thinks thinks she's cooking something a little bit. I don't know if it's going to work. It's risky and it's going to take all of us. But Amy is determined to not give it up, and leads the team by putting their hands together in a circle. Belle has no clue what they're doing, but Amy's like, no, 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 we just do this thing as a team. You know, as friends, too. So Belle puts her hand up top, team break, and Jewel starts by directing Tangle and Amy to dam the river, which they have an idea for. Jewel, Belle, and Motobud, they ride back to the campers, telling them now is the time to evac, and as they dam the river... Tangle grapples the tree with her tail. She and Amy try to jam it out and pull it down. Amy breaks its foundation, tree falls, and the river is plugged and causes an overflow, with one flood coming right up. Jewel tells everyone with the water coming in, you gotta get out of the way. A guy gets nearly caught in the flood stream, but Belle rides in with Motobud, grabs him by the arm to drag him back through. Jewel is up in the sky. Everything should be good and tells Amy and Tangle, break the dam. Something Tangle didn't think of, but... Nothing a little smashing, can't fix, Amy thinks. Wax the tree with the hammer, the trunk breaking, and the river will eventually return to its natural course. Though there might be some new white water running through it. Bell comes back, everyone's accounted for at the gates. How are we looking now? With the water coming in, it will soak into the ground and stop the fire spread. And the trees are far enough apart at the campsite, it won't spread into the canopy. With any luck, the fire will stop spreading further into the valley. Which means she did it. But Jewel insists, no, it was, a, it was a team effort. Couldn't have organized it without Amy's help, but just need a little bit of encouragement. Adding Belle to chime in. Wow, I didn't think you had it in her. So they all add, there's nothing that you can't do without a little bit of belief in yourself. Adorable. Which gives Tangle the courage for the situation to say, Jewel, there's something I need to tell you. Takes her hands. I'm quitting the restoration. I, but, uh, wait, no, that's not what I meant. Well, it is, but, uh, but Jewel just stops her and says, hey, no, it's okay. I understand the restoration has been a little stifling, but you stayed for me, and I let you stay because I wasn't brave enough to go it alone. The restoration and what we're doing, I understand, is not for everyone, and the world does need people like you, Tangle, so even if you do go your own way, I'll be okay, and no matter what, I am so, so proud of you. And they hug it out.
1: Aww, adorable. We love to see it. Um, yeah, I mean... We'll we'll have more thoughts towards the end, but uh, let's let's finish up. Yeah, shall we?
2: Yes. We move later to Tails' lab. Finishing up repairs on Bella's hand, it's good as new. And with that done, we can take a look at Motobud. I've heard of Eggman's badniks defying their programming, but they've all been on the more advanced models. Bell thinks maybe we can figure this out and do the same for other badniks. And outside, Tangle is recounting the story to Sonic, who's resting on the roof, and, you know, telling him about how she and Bell jumped the gorge. It was a fun time. Sonic is complaining how he got to miss it all, as Amy asks, Do you want to be dunked into a river? Good point there. Fair enough. <laughs> so, Sonic asks Tangle, What's next for you? You're going solo now, right? And she says that she wants to find Whisper. She asked me to travel with her a while back, and I think I'm ready now. But she does think she was a little hasty in quitting, but she and Jewel did talk it out, and we're gonna try something new. More on that later. Interesting. So Tangle hops on her bike, she's ready to head out, and tell Sonic, if you get into anything fun, do let me know. And so Sonic and Amy watch her leave, and Amy breathes the sigh of relief. It all worked out in the end. And Sonic figures the little change is, in fact, what the good doctor ordered. And Amy says, what, what do you mean, doctors? Are you trying to jinx us? What? I figured you'd be raring to go after your vacation. Well, guess a break, uh, just was not in the cards, Amy says. I'm glad the girls were all there, otherwise things really would have ended badly. I really hope this was just a fluke.
1: Sonic looks out a bit ominously at this, as we then cut to the Burned Forest. The ranger... Walks around, looking at one of the trees that's crackling, still burning, before noticing footprints. Firewatch, come in. Just like you said, this was no accident. As we cut to a shot of the Chaotix, which means we have some Chaotix Kino in our next Sonic issue. That's the end of the issue, by the way. Before we get into the the next major stuff, uh, let's take a little bit of time to talk about this three-issue mini-arc. It's cute, and I don't have an issue with that. Is it relevant to the story? Not really, but sometimes in these comics, you kind of need something like this,
2: and that's okay. You're right. I argue it is pretty relevant considering what it's setting up, right? Oh, oh, well, in that sense, yes. But in terms of like what it's mostly
1: self-contained, yeah. It's cute. It's just a cute little story about the girls, and hey, look, barely any Sonic, and it can work. Wow, Sega. Wow.
2: I hope you guys at the office are taking notes. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. But yeah, I really liked it. I thought it was cute. The bit about Amy's tarot cards as well, I really enjoyed. It was a fun little, like, I guess, narrative hook.
1: It was definitely a a interesting deal uh so to speak and and cool that it's being more incorporated into her character but that's not why you're here
2: (laughs) that's not why you're here you know why i'm titling the episode after it you know what you're here for
1: you you know what you're here for we're gonna do this a little different we are gonna be going in chronological order so we are gonna be doing after much anticipation it's finally time
2: we're going to be doing a very in-depth deep dive analysis of imposter syndrome we are going to be starting off with Imposter Syndrome, issue one, the miniseries, written by Ian Flynn with art by Roethlisberger and Hammerstrom. Ian
1: wrote this, which explains a lot about why it's so fucking good. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. So we begin as Starlight is doing another one of his vlogs. Operation Remaster is moving into the final testing stages. With this, I will finally be able to break what I affectionately call. Wait for it. The Sonic Cycle.
2: I got punched in the jaw. Yeah, me too. I first got this. I read the first page. He calls it the fucking Sonic Cycle. Ian, you, li- you punched me in the jaw. What the hell, man?
1: Uh, we, we truly do live in a fucking society, boys. Holy shit. To wit, Dr. Eggman stages a bold plan to reshape the world. Sonic arrives, sometimes this menagerie of friends, to ruin everything. Until finally the day is saved. The general populace rebuilds and returns to their regular lives. No evolution. No vision. No future. Thankfully, I'm here. Step one of Operation Remaster will be to remove Dr. Eggman from play. He is a revolutionary, a visionary, and grooves a fine mustache. But he gets tunnel vision when it comes to Sonic. I have studied under the master, seen his few shortcomings, and perfected his technique. He'll thank me in the end, I'm sure of it. Step two, replace the so-called heroes who stand in the way of progress. The general populace relies on them far too much, but it's far simpler to replace a few celebrities and change society. By controlling the hero versus villain dynamic, I will be able to shape the world and its people with the very theatrics they've become so accustomed to. It's been an arduous journey to gather and assemble all the necessary components to make this plan work. But now, at long last, they're ready. Sonic is undeniably the hero of the world, but building a better Metal Sonic wouldn't suffice. Sonic is more than just raw power. He's about style, attitude. I need that indomitable spirit, that roguish charm. However, since it's a liability, as much as it is a boon, Surge will replace him, and I will keep up that bravado on a leash. Enter Surge the Tenrec, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. most, I can say it, the most beloved original character to come out of the comics in over two decades. Oh my god.
2: <laughs> I think that's a fair call, but I do want to let's analyze her design for a second, shall we? So yes, Surge is a Tenric. She was given lightning powers through Starline's enhancement, let's call it. Now, I also want to point out her character design. She has all green fur. Black splotch on her forehead, a little bit of a rougher attitude to her, a little bit, and I—I'll go as far as to say she's more akin to like, like a, like a, like a, like an evil Sonic or even an anti-Sonic, if you will—a real scourge, one might even say. Right, right, yes, of course. So, uh, without with that dance little done, yeah, it's pretty fucking obvious what she was inspired by. But
1: she does take on a very strong life of her own. And I think this is a big reason that people have gravitated towards her so much. Along with other things that we will be getting into later. But Surge is excellent. I fucking love her. She is rough. She is brash. She is angry. She is unfucking fucking hinged in the best way possible. To continue, as previously noted... There are, however, design flaws inherent in Sonic, continues Starline. Surge needs a support unit to make up for her shortcomings, an analytical balance to the brashness, someone to look before she leaps. Thus, Kitsunami was modeled after Sonic's most beneficial ally, Tails. Introducing
2: Kitsunami. Is it What is, what is Kitsunami's species? A fennec fox, which are very small. Very small little things. And just kit for short as well. So let's say let's say Kit's design is a bit more original in inspiration, let's say. Uh blue Fennec Fox, and what he's got going on is that he's got a backpack which is filled with water he can control in streams to use like limbs. And he's very, very, very timid in his personality. And if I remember correctly, I don't know if Ian's or someone else said something similar, but originally the pack water was supposed to be purple like the mega muck from chemical plant but sega rejected it and just said no regular water is fine
1: uh, i i think i can see it the uh the the blue and green aesthetic kind of goes hard as kit has blue and yellow surge has green and yellow so like i guess they want the colors to be like like purple and it's a little too much but i think i think the design choice does work in the
2: end yeah i you know i that's a take it or leave it for me if you may have noticed surge controls lightning Kit can control water. Tails is afraid of lightning, and Sonic is aquaphobic. Damn, Starline knew. It's cooking. My man Starline did his research so he can be a more effective hater.
1: Absolutely.
2: That and also Ian said that was actually unintentional in the end, but he'll take it.
1: Yeah, well,
2: it makes a lot of sense if you
1: think about it. Now there is one final note to make about their designs. Surge and Kit were inspired by two longtime fan named. Glitch palettes. Ashura and Wechnia. So those were glitch palettes that you would get in, I believe it was Sonic 2 and Sonic 3 for a variety of reasons. I completely forget the, the context behind getting them, but yes, it was confirmed that they were inspired by the idea of glitch palettes, further contributing to the idea of imposter syndrome, and sort of derivatives of Sonic and Knuckles specifically. But, you know, that's that's on the lesser end of
2: it. That and also, as far as like Surge's inspiration, yeah, it is pretty clear that her basis model was Scourge from Archie. But I will say, the inspiration for Scourge's redesign was also based off Ashura. So it's kind of like one of those things where both of these things are true at the same time.
1: Absolutely. But yeah, let's let's continue here. What we have neglected to talk about this whole time is that Surge and Kit, uh, in between this long monologue that sarlong goes on, have been completing a test surge has blasted through a bunch of bots with kit on support to get a taste of their personalities uh, one of the first lines that really comes out between the two is Serge sort of saying nice assist kid don't let it go to your head with kit sheepishly saying yes ma'am thank you ma'am oh wow it's uh it's almost like a fucked up version of, of Sonic and Tails' relationship. Just just off that one line, you can already get a feel for what's going on between these two.
2: Oh yeah, it's a little nerve-wracking if you think about it, but, uh, Starline was waiting at the end of this course as Surge says, hey, what do you mean? The course was done in record time, but, uh, Starline was unimpressed as she left Kit behind. As Kit comes back apologetic, he had to recharge his pack. But, he, he, the guy got here eventually. The important one, that's me, Surge, finished in record time. Test. Passed. Me. Awesome. Rad as hell. So let's get on with the main mission already. Starline says, ah, you've proven yourselves past in a controlled environment. The next step will be for the field tests. But in a way that we won't. As Surge ends up manhandling Starline by the collar. I'm getting real sick of you tired of you talking down to me. We're gonna go now and we're gonna go hard.
1: Starline then uses his hypnosis. Go to sleep. Kit picking up the passed out Surge. What did you do to her? You saw nothing as he also knocked out. A pity it isn't this potent against anyone else. Still, once again, pays to have a built-in it pays to have built-in a weakness to my hypnosis effect. Oh boy.
2: this is uh this is only the tip of the iceberg fellas
1: surgeon can't wake up as starline says you push your enhancements too far and had a brief blackout now then shall we discuss your first field test
2: we move to later that night the forest ridge campground starline says the plan is to remove sonic from play but first we have to weaken his support base as surge thinks you know to handle them but Starline says, no, no Surge, no assassination. A vengeful hero is driven and morally righteous, but a hero suffering from tragic loss and a horrible accident? That one is broken and morose. As they're outside, Kit brings some leaves and twigs to Surge, and she uses her lightning sparks on it to start a fire, runs around it to create a lightning tornado, a storm due to her powers, and the forest is then set ablaze. Then a couple of days later, they're in the middle of Central City, The next part of the test is finesse and control. Our first real mission will be clandestine, cause some chaos and don't get caught. The two are hiding in an alleyway, watching the people living their lives in joy. As Surge wonders how can all these people be so happy-go-lucky when the metal virus tore through this place not so long ago. Kit tells her the restoration rebuilt the city, so I guess this is what they want. "Ah, Sucks to be them, Surge says, I aim to misbehave. Kit offers to use his hydro coils to reach underground to the traffic light circuitry and throw the power grid off into disarray. And Sir says, oh, well, you have fun with that. I'm just going to go fast. Hits the spin dash, blasts off into the street, and all the lightning sparks are hitting the traffic lights. People are cut off from their paths and breaks through them and ends up causing a four car collision
1: yeah special little note uh there's a dude wearing the gamer hat i'm pretty sure it's based off of one of the 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 meme avatars that were created he's wearing the crocs too it's 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 pretty (laughs) great a few miles away in emerald town starline is outside of Tails's house oh dear mr prower you take after dr eggman in some surprising ways as he looks at the uh the the, the face shaped house.
2: <laughs> yeah, you know what is up with that? That's very. We never we never really talk about this.
1: Yeah, uh, it's uh, it's 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 quite interesting.
2: Yeah, maybe Starline does make a good point about how Tails takes after Eggman in some surprising ways. Starline then starts thinking, though I was able to cover my track. If Tails looks into Bell's coding. Realize what I've done to Kit and Surge, maybe they might develop a countermeasure. I need to know what he knows, destroy any research he has. So he activates his Tricor's power and tries to pry up the garage door, but it is very, very reinforced. That's when Surge and Kit come back to him, one steeple city and not a police siren to be heard. But he tells Kit, Starline does, use the hydro coils to go under the door and unlock it from the other side. But Kit says he can't. It's down airtight. Ah, Tails learned from the metal virus and upgraded. Well played, boy. As Surge is demanding some recognition for passing his test with flying colors and time to spare. Now, Surge thinks, well, if you want to break in, you're going to have to break this down. But Starn says, no, 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 no. The whole point of this exercise was stealth. And he says, all right, you know what? Cut our losses. Back to base. Our time is up and Starline uses the speed core to lead the way back.
1: So back at Starline Base Sigma, they see that Amy and co have saved the campers from the wildfire, as Starline is in complete disbelief at how they keep doing this. Oh, God. (laughs) Uh, Surge remarks, though, that, hey, we didn't get caught. That was the point. I wanted to deal with Sonic's gal pals directly. Somebody wanted to trust a wall of stupid flame. A close call for them isn't any better or worse than Dr. Eggman's track record whatever we did good right well you did well and so now it's finally time oh yeah for the final test oh come on you gave me the power to destroy sonic let me destroy sonic i gave you the power to change the world but it will only work if you follow my plan
2: starline's next move we have to remove Eggman from play, and we can only do that if we remove his support. We will go to this remote base to test his bypass algorithm that Starline built. We infiltrate the base, then, which search cuts him off. No, 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 Get your security blanket out of its secure bunker so you can feel safe enough to do another test. Well, Kit thinks it's better to be safe than sorry, you know, doesn't want her hurt. But Surge snaps at him, asking, what, you think I can't handle myself? No. So you're not going to do your job and watch me back? No. Well if you ain't saying nothing then shut up. Ouch. Jesus.
1: Look, I get you brainy types like to think of all the angles, but me and that faker boy are simple creatures. I hit him fast, I hit him hard, and I keep hitting until he doesn't move anymore. And how do you plan on finding him, says Starline. I can run laps around the planet until I find him. Mm. And if he's with his friends, then I take them out too. Oh, really? Tails is providing air support, Tangle and Whisper are striking at range, Amy is closing in, and you can handle Sonic. I... Well, probably. Kid would be better handling all those worthwhile sectors I, I, I do my, my best. Don't patronize me. I'll drown you with your own tails. Oh, for the love of- Stop cringing. We can't take out Sonic if you're always doing that. I'm, I'm sorry. Ugh, why do you even want to help me? I I don't know. And then it hits her. Why do I want to do this? Any of this? I haven't even met Sonic. I don't think I have. Kit asks, do do you want to destroy him still? Serge? yeah, but why? Do you? I I want whatever you want. But, but why? And reboot, Starline says, using his hypnosis powers to knock the two out once more. Congratulations, we have now just witnessed the first of, um...
2: Uh, I believe the terminology is called ego death.
1: Yeah, we're not going to talk about this now. Keep the context of this scene and what just happened. In your mind. Starline says, I thought keeping things simple would make things easier. Perhaps I should craft a bit of backstory to shore up their emotional before Surge comes to like, what did you do to me? As uh she comes for Starline's face. Starline quickly uses his glove to force her to sleep as she says, No, I want answers before Starline kicks her off. Oh, when I used Bell's base code to write personalities for them, I expected a little more stability. Maybe the difference was she was built from scratch, or is it a byproduct of... Oh, this resistance to the hypnotic is also an unwelcome bug. I've invested too much in them now to start over. I'll just have to handle them with more care. Once we begin to fulfill their primary directives, their personalities should even out. The two
2: then wake up as Starline grins. Showtime. Starline feigns concern that they were glitching out, yet, you know, you're unhurt, thankfully, and gives Kit credit for catching Surge despite him glitching as well. And Surge shows gratefulness for that. What happened? Oh, we got into a heated argument and it overloaded your upgrades. You guys wanted one more optimization test. I wanted to push ahead with the main mission, and, you know, here we are. Starline says, I'm very sorry. You were right. We will do the final testing phase if that's what you want. Surge asks Kit, does that sound right? And he says, ultimately, I want you to be safe, so I will agree with what you do. One last test. Starline says that this final test will be to remove Eggman from play, and that can only be done by the stripping of his support. I've selected this remote base right here to test my upgraded bypass algorithm. Then we infiltrate the base.
1: That is the end of issue one holy (laughs) what a what a start
2: um there's so much to say here and i don't know where to find the words i kind of just want to like keep going because i feel like anything we have to say is better off as we continue
1: yeah the extremely long discussion is going to happen the deeper we get in i mean you really do need to think about the reason that we are really like intentionally going almost over every single piece of dialogue because there is so much in what is happening. And what is being done? Oh my god, dude, that scene with, with with Surge
2: having the breakdown. Yeah, and that's only the start, folks. That's that's only the start. Let's start off. Imposter Syndrome, issue two. Ian Flynn and Rothlisberger, our creative team.
1: We open on another Starline lock. He's a little nervous. I have tested Surge and Kitsunami as best I can. Now we come to the final check before initiating Operation Remaster. We must be exceedingly careful. If this fails, there will be no second. Chances. Previously, I had used an override program to take command of Dr. Eggman's forces, however, it relied on the network's permission to exploit backdoors into the EggNet. For my endgame, I must be able to overpower all of Dr. Eggman's control directly. I chose to turn Eggbase Sigma into my own headquarters. Tonight, I'll be targeting Eggbase Alpha for my final test.
2: Now, we are seeing at a mountaintop, Starline, Surge, and Kit overlooking the base, which Surge thinks the dock here is about to pop a blood vessel. So, Starline asks Kit to make a map, and he does so with his water control. The plan is to enter from the south end. Starline will infiltrate the western control tower and upload the program. Surge, escort Kit to the eastern tower to ensure no alarms are sent through the eggnet. To which Kit asks, well, what's that northern tower there for? starline says, ah, don't worry about that. That's a Wi-Fi tower separate from the eggnet exclusively for gaming the doctor's ping is immaculate
1: <laughs> wait 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 pause so why is he gaming on wi-fi instead yeah, what of we like, we've all, I, like
2: I feel like we've had this discussion before yeah what's up with that i'm sure his ping is pretty poggers i'm sure he says many slurs on overwatch i'm sure but <laughs> <laughs> you think you think eggman's got the e-girl yeah <laughs> <laughs> I'm not touching that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, listen, listen. In another life, Snively would be the one who'd be playing Overwatch with Regina.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, what's the word? Uh, Sorry, Eggman. In the real world, the cringe boy gets the (laughs) e-girl. I can't, bro. I
1: can't. Serge is not too happy about this. Back it up a minute, Doc. I have to babysit my support unit. Kip chiming in. That's right. She's the hero. She should have the important job. Nobody was talking to you, Drippy. Sorry. why are you objecting now this is what you wanted remember yeah and no now then to work as they continue and begin their assault on egg base alpha
2: as they go in they go their separate ways kit and search cross a badnik patrol which kit offers to take a detour to avoid them but Search goes for the direct route and starts smashing them give me an escort mission but kit reminds her we're not here to raise alarms but Serge thinks they can't ring an alarm if they're made of dust. Kit is a little nerve-wracked over them not really following Starline's orders, but Serge says that guy ain't the boss of me. He's the idea guy, and the idea guys are a diamond dozen. This is a, it's a it's dime a dozen. Whatever! Look, I'm out doing things my way, my own way, and you follow me. It's simple and it works. Oh, Ian. Oh, the twisting! The
1: twisting! The twisting of those words.
2: Let's get to that tower.
1: Might as well do this stupid plan while we're here. Kit is surprisingly emboldened by this saying, Yes, ma'am, as Starline knocks out one of the egg Short range and single target verified for the hard part. But... On his way in, he takes a little detour into the egg cave.
2: Elsewhere, Kit and Surge arrive at their tower. Kit says it'll take a couple minutes to disable it, but Surge thinks she can knock it down in a few seconds. Kit says not to, then Eggman's gonna know we're here. So I'll bury him next to Sonic. But but, what is it with you and plants? I don't know, what I do! At that point, they've alerted a super badnik, a large wrecker several stories tall, prompting Surge to tell Kit to stick with the plan. You do your thing, I'm gonna wreck this thing. Surge then leads it elsewhere to give Kit space and with enough distance starts attacking it but it's not doing much damage. She's thrown off by its spiked ball hand as Surge says keep it together Sonic would run rings around this thing and I'm supposed to be the better one here. She electric boosts into it and does a cross hit homing attack across its body to which then we then move to the tower inside Kit's crossing some wires and calls it done. With that passed he rushes back to Surge. I have to be with Surge, I have to support Surge, I have to protect Surge. To which now you see her bounce attacking the badnik and catches Surge with its free hand, causing her to burrow through the hand right through its body. What gotcha now? Kit then calls out to Surge, "Just just arrived to help, you mean to kill the mood, I got it on the rope, she says. And it takes to the distraction, the badnik fires the spike ball and ends up crushing Surge, as Kit is mortified. Meanwhile,
1: Starline is in the egg cave. Oh, to go back to that simpler time. It wasn't really that long ago, and yet it feels like it's been a lifetime. Back when I was still enamored with the spectacle, a naive admirer of a brilliant but flawed man, before a peek over to a mechanized Starline appears as the head comes popped off of dr eggman's model he grabs it the veil has been lifted from my eyes i will supplant the doctor and provide my method superior once he's seen the errors of his ways i will welcome him back to my side and we can rule this world
2: together Hmm. John Cena gif, are you sure about that?
1: Uh, I've never seen a man hit the copium as hard as this motherfucker. Holy shit.
2: Well, outside, Kit goes sicko mode, full protective of Surge, uses his hydro coils to wrap around the spike ball and throw it back to the badnik with maximum force and pushed back down. To which then Kit starts digging around for Surge and finds her body perfectly... Fine, but Surge says that she wasn't until just now. Um, hold the thought. The badnik comes back for one last shot, leading Surge to jump into the hole through its chest, short-circuits it from the inside, and kicks the head off the socket from inside. They are then surrounded by many badniks. Surge is ready to keep fighting, but then the badniks clap for them. To which their alertion hears Starline over the loudspeaker. Mission accomplished, everybody. This base all its badniks now serve me. Please join me in the control room, why don't you? Serge walks in as Starlin says, Top marks for everyone! My override
1: program is a success. No alarms were triggered. The plan went flawlessly. Now we may begin my master plan, as uh, Serge points to this guy like, Get a load of this guy.
2: Yeah, get a load of this guy, Cam, yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, as uh, Kit laughs a little. After a wardrobe change, what happened to you? Well, Serge was a little careless. So sue me. The kid was a big help. It's all good, Doc. Are you sure? says Starline. Listen to this guy! Just savor the victory, you kill joy, as she slaps the back of his head with
2: The Artist is is immaculate here. You know, it's it's too good. Well, <laughs> Starline dismisses that. Well, uh, I'm gonna be cleaning up around here so Eggman finds no evidence before we make our move. A uh, dismissed. surgeon kit, then start heading out. Kit tries to says his piece, but once they're out of the room and into an elevator, they check for hidden cameras and mics. They're all clear. Listen, that hit should have killed me. We should tell the doctor, you know, he can make sure you're okay, Kit says. But Serge does not want to tell him Jack. Kit insists that they do, since, you know, that he enhanced us. Oh, yeah? Enhanced us to do what, exactly? I don't know. You see? We know a lot of what and not a lot of why. My own thoughts aren't even adding up here. I I kind of feel like the doc is behind it or something. So Surge enlists Kit to help her figure this stuff out. And he wants to be counted on. He is in. What do we do first? Well, Starline loves to hear himself talk. So let's go find his records. We got to figure out what he did to us. And we make him
1: pay. That is the end of issue two. Ah, well, more of an action setup issue, but, uh... I mean, it, it did have a little bit of everything, you know? Yeah, but, um... Issue three is not coming up next.
2: Ah, you got Good. baited, jabated, lol, got him. Yes, so like we said, we're doing things in chronological order. Another bit that we missed out on was Surgeon Kit fucking up Central City. So how is that mess cleaned up?
1: For issue 48 of Sonic the Hedgehog IDW, featuring a cover by our man, John Gray, The Chaotix Confidential presents villains with filthy faces. The cover art is great. I love John Gray, said it many times. Two thumbs up from us about him. Let's get into it, shall we?
2: Written by Evan Stanley, and the main art done by Hammerstrom. We open on the boys, Vector and Espio. They're driving into the radio station in Sunset City. Night and Dawn were watching Charmy for the day, as when they pull in, they hear Charmy doing the nightly sign-off call. They meet Don outside, he brings them in, and Charmy finishes the call saying, don't do anything dumb during the day because Knight can't help you. Bye. Said as, uh, <laughs> as Knight snatches Charmy away from the mic. But Charmy says, I had a fun day all the same. I helped pick songs and talk to people about their problems. I won't come back every night. As he falls asleep mid-flight and right into Vector's arm. And it's a very cute little scene. And Vector thanks the guys for watching him. You guys really are lifesavers. Don asks why you guys kept them behind this time. Rampaging monster. Rampaging monster deadly assassins as SBO admits they were just returning some library books Charmy is banned for life but if we told him that he'd be heartbroken what did my boy do so what was he
1: cooking like, what did Charmy do to fuck up this much?
2: Uh, I, I can recall back in my high school days. It, back from my high school, right across the street was the local library. And to be honest, the librarians did not like us because we were loud and annoying. But also, we had nowhere else to go. We live in the suburbs. What do you want from us? And just, it's a public library. I have the fucking right to be there, assholes.
1: Oh, uh, yeah, fucking in 2023. Yeah, no, sorry, bro. We, we can't let you have a public space. That's impossible.
2: I don't even know why I brought that up. That was just uncalled for. Ahem. <coughs> Anyway, before they go, Knight gives Vector a sheet of notes he took through the day. A lot of people called in from Central City about an issue, saying there might be a case here. You guys interested? As Vector says, well, if there's a case, we're always interested. And there on the drive back, SPO is looking through the notes describing power outages and traffic issues. Just kind of seems like these people are dealing with a bad thunderstorm, not crime. Ah, but Vector adds that Knight's got a good nose for these kind of things. Has he ever led us wrong before? He's led us into trouble. And trouble doesn't get us paid well i'm sure if we figure out what's up someone will pony up a reward okay as uh that's where Charmy wakes up asking if they're there yet as vector is kind of fed up with dealing with another route of bumper to bumper traffic and decides to pull off the road Charmy. Fly us out of here. I'll get you some ice cream later, okay? As Charmy flies SVO and Vector over traffic, they're basically doing their, like, flight positions from Sonic Heroes. As they're in the sky, someone below, still in traffic, honks at them. Hey, that's cheating! As Vector shouts, what, y'all are just jealous you didn't think of it first? Based. Extremely based. They fly into the city, and they see the damage is way worse than what their intel looks like. We got people arguing in the middle of the street over their crashed cars. Vector maneuvers his way in as they're arguing, saying, Hello, boys, uh, with the Chaos detective agency, what seems to be the problem here? Then the guys explained that there was a large electrical surge. The whole city went haywire, lights flickering on and off. Traffic signals changing at random, the works, and every even somehow, some way, people here suddenly forgot how to drive. And the other guy says, "Hey, watch it, buddy!" Suddenly, the chaotics find themselves surrounded by civilians asking for help and telling them what they need. There's a lot of cameos in this little crowd scene. Uh, I want to point out one in particular, right on the left side. There's a Mobian version of Reagan from Mob Psycho. Wait, oh, oh. And I point him out because he's the only Sonic character with eyebrows. Damn.
1: Damn, you're right.
2: So Charmy sees how angry everyone is. Espio thinks well, we can't get anywhere like this. And Vector even notices it seems like no one even knows exactly what to or what caused this thing. Until an interesting individual approaches them. He screams, I know who
0: done
1: did it. <laughs> I saw him coming out of the sewer. It was a central city mutant monster crocodile. Had to be.
2: Now, this is another interesting face. This is another cameo. This character is Crinkly wrinkly from OKKO. OK and I bring this up because the show's creator, Ian Quarterley, who is also a Steven Universe alum, he found the scene, he found the cameo was very surprised by it and even oh, voice great. acted it in the character's voice.
1: <laughs> I, I, I didn't know he did the voice work for yeah. it.
2: While Charmie is very interested by this TMNT analog description. Vector and Svo are not so amused by this guy. I think Vector potentially sees this as some kind of microaggression, but I digress. Vector says, "Okay, I don't know about all that, but maybe we can go into the sewers and find this out." And before they go, Crinkly Wrinkly here shouts,
1: "Watch out! They'll eat your little bee friend!" <laughs>
2: and then once they're down, Svo sees this may be a promising lead they see this large gash scratched into the wall. Well, whoever did this seems like a tough customer, Vector says. SVO asks, do you think there actually is a crocodile here? That Shut up. Nope, shut up. But the Chaotix hear some splashing in the water further down, and Charmy sees someone that's in the sewers with them, carrying crates on their back. So Vector calls in the rush, SVO throws Shuriken to the guys as they run, and Vector chooses to throw Charmy, our boy puts on his little aviator goggles, yeets, and goes in for the stinger attack getting near them. But they get the slip to slide away. Charmy leads the boys down the halls. But it's dark and damp in there. We can't chase a guy we can't see, you know. But then suddenly a rank smell comes out of nowhere. So SO's just like, yeah, we're in the sewers. Let's let's just get out of here, okay? We see further into the darkness. Someone's smirking. As they leave. As they're leaving away, Vector says that this whole situation stinks. The SVO thinks it smells better out here than in there. Well, I mean figuratively, man. They do come across the crate the guy dropped as he ran, and they start sifting through it looking for clues. But it seems like this crate is just full of scrap metal. Who would want this? I don't know, Vector says, but... According to the Crate shipping label, it looks like it came from the central shipping yard. We got a lead, boys. We got a lead. So they leave the sewers and eventually reach the docks. And the place is empty, considering the roads are all clogged up. So Vector thinks that they should split up and cover more ground. Charmy's saying that he'll go with SBO, considering Vector still smells like sewer. SBO thinks the smell may have followed us from the sewer. Or maybe we're on its trail. Vector adds, we're on the right track. And he follows the scent through and ends up at a boarded-up shed, which looks abandoned. Charmy is about to scream if anyone's home, but Vector says, Nope, shut up. They could be hiding. Which Espio then takes the lead, camouflaging himself to get inside. Espio scales the wall, sneaks in from the sunroof, and then he overhears a voice recounting how they were followed. They got the old stink bomber, and they got the slip. They are then asked about the crate, saying it was forgotten in the excitement. Espio looks down, and it seems who he recognizes, rough and tumble, who's talking to Clutch the Possum. Tumble says it was their route out of their city, can't be used anymore because of this. Clutch, a little anger that this route is gone all because you were spotted. But the boys argue all the sneaking around ain't easy. How are we supposed to know the Chaotix would be there? Clutch says, I I've heard about those two before, but I brought you two on because I needed help. Help I can trust. All the junk in here was all he was able to take with him before his properties were confiscated. The last of my wealth. All my hope. Stuck here with no way to the buyers because this whole city has been turned upside down. And all because you got spooked by third-rate gumshoes who weren't even looking for you. Do I need to show you what happens to those who disappoint me?
1: SVO is not happy. Accidentally clenching a little too hard, causing a creak. Clutch picking up on it, firing a stray shot, which SVO briskly dodges causing some dust to get on him in his uh invisible form. You two are in luck. Looks like you have a chance to redeem yourselves. Clutch starts firing as Espio unveils, blows the whistle and Vector, screaming at the top of his lungs, breaks down the doors.
2: Now, uh this leads Clutch to let Ruff and Tumble introduce themselves. You tracked us down? Might think we're humbled. You never tangled with Rough and Tumble. Tumble. Yeah, (laughs) this leads Vector, my man Vector, to spit some bars, dare I say. Yeah, this motherfucker's going
1: in. Your judgment's slipping. Thinking to try the crock? Gotta be tripping. Better watch the walk. Chameleon's the other one to fear. Never know when he'll appear, but it's you I want to hear. Stinger's coming on the next pass. Beehive's ready. Gonna kick. That's me. I'm the bee, right?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's another fun little writing trick I like to do. Just uh, the little bait and switch.
1: Yeah, exactly. Clutch is trying to make his escape as Vector and Charmy are fighting with Ruff and Tumble before Espio pulls a kunai on him from the shadows. So if you didn't cause the trouble downtown, who did? Ruff is not happy about this. Only we get to ride, and your meter is trash!
2: Cringe. Sore loser.
1: Yes, absolutely. He was spinning bars like, what the fuck, bro?
2: It's all over when Clutch calls all the boys to stop with SPO leading him behind. They're not responsible for the power failures. These guys aren't our target. But Vector says, that may be true, but you guys are not innocent of anything. Who are you anyway, Gramps? Clutch says there was once a time where his reputation preceded him, and I was quite content enjoying retirement when White Park with my chow. That was until some do-gooders trashed my home, but perhaps it was a blessing in disguise. Dare I say even a wake-up call. There's a whole new generation of heroes that I've never tricked, swindled, or beaten, and as long as I'm alive, that won't stand. I think it's time I rebuilt my empire. Maybe a humble start, but there's always someone out there looking for weapons. This leads Vector to slam on the floor, the foundation cracks leading all the crates to fall into the ocean below all his stuff's gone espio won't release him but clutch takes this all in stride and asks espio with these little baubles happen to be yours which are shown in between his fingers espio's smoke bombs and in shock how did you grab those he throws them on the ground and in the confusion grabs rough and tumble and escapes shouting to the chaotix spread the word boys clutch the possum is back and as the smoke clears, SBO apologizes for his failure, but Vector says, it's okay. We didn't know we were getting ourselves into. But Charmy asks, well, if they didn't do it, who messed up the city? And Vector adds, well, guys, trail's gone cold. I'm afraid we're going to have to see and wait. What happens next?
1: So that was really good. It was a cute little detective story, but you know, hey, I'm always a fan of chaotics. I, I love chaotics. I love that the creative team is very developed, very committed to taking the characters and always wanting to do stuff with them. Espio, ironically enough, got pretty big role in the uh recent murder of sonic the hedgehog which i guess just reinforces that and you know we, we we just get to see stuff like that it's a little stuff um but it was really cute a good little segue before we dive into hell hell oh boy so welcome to what is probably going to be the most in-depth issue we we have ever done on this podcast sonic the hedgehog imposter syndrome number three story by ian flynn art by thomas roethlisberger and Morrow. Fonseca.
2: Yes, and he is a new artist. This is his first time doing interior work, although I believe he's done covers before. My little bio on him, turns out he's another fan turned creative on the comic. His first work in the community was for Sonic the Comic Online.
1: Impressive. Very impressive.
2: Maro Fonseca, congratulations on the promotion. Welcome to the team. So
1: we open. Starline is having a mental breakdown.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Eggman.
1: Dr. Eggman rejected me. I worked so hard to help him and he robs me he has me thrown into the wilderness if he won't accept my help he'll be made to see see this frame i prototyped it's revolutionary i was going to show him the concept but now he'll give him a live display and and it'll run rings around metal sonic whatever it turns out to be no sloppily constructed badness no over specialized vanity projects yes that means you metal sonic but a versatile robust superior creation another file introspection and revision two things my idol lacked two things i must embrace to surpass him another file my time with zavok and the others opened my eyes my initial plans were short-sighted all the power and obedience of a machine means nothing in the chaotic and unpredictable world i'm trying to control another file i need the will and ingenuity of a living being I need to take my initial designs and fuse them. Dr. Eggman has spent all this time inserting animals into his robots
2: when the solution
1: was the other way around.
2: Uh, we, and then in that video, we see Surge and Kit in their holding chambers and are very clearly struggling for life i'm gonna say this this does confirm something because there was a little bit of debate in the community about what exactly surgeon kit are when i was reading this my personal theory was that they were supposed to be homunculi or whatever an artificial mobian would be called. But yes, this backstory confirms that they are actually androids. Now, Ian said on the Bumblecast that Surgeon Kit were going to have a different origin. And he later explained that they were going to be synthetic beings. So if you thought that there was subtext leading up to them being homunculi, congratulations, you were reading correctly, you are not crazy, I am not crazy, it was all laid out already, however, push came to shove, Sega said no, don't go in that direction, and gave him the android situation, which, According to Ian, he said it still worked in the end, so he just rolled with it.
1: Yeah, I am not opposed to the change. I think it is actually a fine change, especially when we get deeper into this comic. I think it makes a little bit more sense when you think about the way that it was foreshadowed that it was originally intended to be a homunculi, right? But maybe Sega didn't feel like they wanted to crimp on the idea of like Starline being like a master of alchemy or like building things into existence. Uh, I, don't know.
2: I feel like that could have been an interesting angle to take the character in. Could, could you imagine... Starline rejecting Eggman's MO so hard, he veers into pseudoscience like alchemy. Yeah, it
1: could have been really, really interesting in that way. But I do like that instead of creating um, robots out of animals, he creates animals out of robots, which is, it's an inverse, right? It's a, it is a, it is still a rejection of Eggman's MO, right? And he, he flips it on its head, which is... You know, it's it's really interesting.
2: And I mean, it could have also played with the inspiration of Starline himself, too, going into more magic with a K, you know?
1: Yeah, magic with a K, haha.
2: One last thing I want to bring up about, like, their original backstory was that with that angle in play, the original, I guess, breakdown of Surgeon Kit would be are we even real people versus what we're about to see?
1: Yeah, and I guess the idea of, like, pure existentialism in that way is a little bit too much for a kid's comp.
2: I suppose so although i do hold the opinion that kids or kids media really should give a lot more credit to children themselves they can understand a lot more than you think i'm sure that they could have handled it if given the proper care which i believe in ian i hashtag trust the plan i have since day one i think he could have done something good out of it but i do understand sega's hesitation in wanting to go in that direction
1: yeah, I, I understand it as well. I agree. I think that, that it could have been done. But I guess from the perspective of Sega, it's like, yeah, this is probably too much for a kid's comic. But I think it would have been fine. But, you know, again, at the end of the day, it is their call. And it's not like the plot is necessarily ruined by this. It's just, a it's a minor note to make. So Surge and Kit are watching. The Surge says, sweet guy up below. does this guy ever shut up <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: i do also love it when characters like use like they're in universe pantheon to slay like oh my god like every time someone in spongebob says oh dear neptune it's a little chuckle for me
1: yeah it's it's pretty great do you want me to log out Says so kid. no 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 you you did good hacking into starlines files keep ticking i, I want more details searching his archives are extensive. Ugh, being a mad scientist wasn't bad enough he has to be a wannabe influencer too At least we know now how he enhanced us. Should we really be going behind his back like this? When I want your opinion, I'll give it to you. More deets. Now. Yes, ma'am. I think I found something. The cybernetic enhancements, Starline says, have taken. My base models are complete. Now comes the specialization. I have assembled all the necessary ingredients to emulate the biomechanical miracles of my adversaries and install them into my cybernetic enforcers. Showing Neo Metal Sonic, Sonic the Hedgehog, Shadow the Hedgehog, the Tricores, and a bit of Tails' fur. Emulated, but not replicated. Subject Kitsunami will need external support. Subject Surge will need electromagnetic propulsion. But I'm aiming to improve upon things, not maintain the status quo. But that much power must be kept under control. Once again, I look to Dr. Eggman, for inspiration i acquired the programming of one of his more unorthodox creations showing bell reciting zeros and ones with her i had the means of fabricating a personality or rather overriding existing ones my creations will think what i want them to think want what i desire them to want be who i want them to be and as a failsafe they've been made especially prone to my hypnotic gear. Just in case they need realignment. Surge and Kit are pissed, to put it lightly. But the session continues. Now moving to files of Starline working his magic on the two. Using his hypnosis powers. On Surge, you hate Sonic. You want to destroy Sonic. I hate Sonic. I want to destroy Sonic. On to Kit, you live to support Surge. You will do anything for her. Live... For Surge, do anything. At a later time, session 58. You hate Sonic. You want to destroy Sonic. I hate Sonic. I want to destroy Sonic. On to Kit. You live to support Surge. You will do anything for her. I live to support Surge. I will do anything for her. Session 232 on Surge. And what of the world-renowned hero, Sonic? (sighs) I hate that jerk. I'll want my shoes on his grave after I put him in it. Session 33 with Kit and one of your partners sir? I look out for her, no matter what, I'll do anything for her, where is she? Can I see her now? Another recording. So I had repurposed the resilience of the metal virus into safe cellular upgrades to supplement the enhancement cybernetics. Surgeon Kit are exceedingly resilient physically, but insert file footage here showing test session three, test session 44, test session 105, and at the end of that test session surge running up to starline saying i'm not running it again you want data you run it test session 337 showing kit test session 458 showing kit test session 529 529 by the way showing surge and kit test session 601 surge is starting her run right now what are you doing here i'm I, i'm sorry another file an unforeseen necessity for the hypnotic vulnerability has been dealing with the psychological trauma three shots of surge completely wiped out on the floor kit falling from the sky and surge having what looks to be like a breakdown i can't erase their memories entirely they're learning improving so with each revival i must suppress and edit it's tedious but they are making progress what's the expression no pain, no gain. Hopefully they'll be ready for field testing soon. Pause. I want you to really think about what this is. How many test sessions did we get to? 601. That last line, psychological trauma. These people had their lives stolen from them. Not only did they have their lives stolen from them, they were sent through extensive psychological trauma and torture. Their entire minds were reconfigured. They don't even know who they are. They've been used as pawns and tools in some fanboy scheme. And they have all of their trauma suppressed but it still shows up in their way they portray themselves serge is violent and angry and impulsive can't handle anything because she's so fucking traumatized kit is so afraid and so dependent on praise because he's so fucking traumatized starline has turned two people into psychological nightmares for his own amusement really think about how fucked up that is really let it sit
2: one thing that you didn't really point out is as they were running the test shit was happening to them they basically died almost every time crushed maimed or killed several times during the testing phase during these like little sequence tests and it's because of those instances they were able to be revived thanks to the like metal virus enhancements that they were given but not only do they have the psychological trauma i'm sure they must feel the physical trauma of it as well whenever i think of this i kind of again allah forgive me for bringing anime into this but i think of uh subaru from re-zero who has the the return by death ability where every time he dies he returns to like a physical save point effectively but he retains all that memory and all of that trauma which brought him to that point as he goes through the series he becomes more and more psychologically fucked up and this can be translated to that kit and surge have gone through so fucking much just by testing so much physical trauma that and that it's that that's why they still have these hints of the trauma creeping through because you know their minds may not remember but their body certainly does
1: and that's like where starline as a villain really hits that like oh there's no redeeming this guy eggman is somebody who is an enigma on one hand he is a violent destructive horrible awful nightmarishly evil inventor who will come up with the most insane plots imaginable and subject the entire world to them on the other hand he's also a Goofy fucking weirdo who does have a set of morals and ethics to an extent. Starline? No, Starline doesn't. Starline is so far gone, so off the deep end, so fucking wild that he took two people's lives and made playthings out of them for the sake of it.
2: And because in his plans, in the grand scheme of things, he thought it was just necessary. So if victims come through, sacrifices have to be made for the greater good in his eyes. So he said, fuck it, we ball. And in doing so, irredeemably altered the course of lives and the fates of these two innocent individuals.
1: Turning them into this. It really cannot be understated how fucked up this is. On every level, man. Starline went from, oh, haha, funny Eggman fanboy to completely irredeemable monster. And you really need to put that into perspective when we deal with him moving forward.
2: That and also you need to look at kind of how the contrast is between Eggman and Starline. Eggman, as you said, he does have like a moral line. With Starline, though, he sees himself as like an Eggman fanboy who just loves and admires this individual and wants to be like him. And through the course of his life has learned maybe that's not the best way to go about it and learned the incorrect lesson in the end. It's dangerous because I feel like there's a lesson in all this. If someone feels rejected by who they're admired by, who their mentor is, a person can go down two paths. They can better themselves, or they can become infinitely worse. And here we see Starline has gone infinitely worse to the point where he is effectively a war criminal. A war criminal's war criminal, dare I say.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's certainly something. I just, yeah, this shit is insane. This is the moment... When I was reading this, you know, uh, when I first read this, I-, I remember being very shocked by this, but more importantly, impressed. Sega let this happen. They let this go through, and they were okay with it. And you know what? Best fucking decision they ever made. This is this is again, it's another one of those things because this released last year, correct? Twenty twenty one, you know, twenty twenty two. But this this really does show that like the tide is turning. Like, again, with, with regards to the mandates and all the stuff we've talked about, the fact that this was allowed to exist and mostly go through unchanged, pretty fucking insane, pretty impressive. And, you know, the best part is that this is not, this is not the, the end of, of this, this idea. No, 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 no. We have so much more to go through. So, so let's, let's, let's continue. So, Surge and
2: Kit are just, they're speechless. They, they are, As the kids say, a little fucked up. Serge wants Kit to keep looking, but he doesn't even know if he can take it much more. But she wants to know... Who were we before? Well, he, he we, you know, we're cyborgs. He put stuff in us, but he didn't make us. Who were we before all this? Volunteers? Were we kidnapped? Heroes or convicts? Who were we before this? And then Kit looks through. There's there's nothing. But Serge refused to believe this. This guy vlogs what he eats for breakfast. Look harder. But Kit says, I did look. Well, then why is nothing there?
1: Because... It's irrelevant. It's past your bedtime, children. It's not irrelevant, I need context. If I have no past, all I have is this. And this is nothing, I'm a nobody. I'm just a knockoff. Everything I want that I think I want is a lie. Oh, Serge, we keep having this conversation and it always ends the same way. No, 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 not again, Kit, get him. As Kit lashes out, in a fit of rage, but Starline sends a jolt of electricity through his boot, hitting Kit's water as Serge goes for a spin dash. Starline quickly activating the power core, blocking Starline uh, before saying, Got to pick one flavor off your tricore at a time, Doc. You want power or speed? Hitting him behind the back. Too bad you built me for both! As Starline activates flight, gets behind him and says, I've invested too much into you, but I will punish you further if necessary. As Surge is kneeling before saying, you moron. First, you made me heal real fast. And second, you forgot about Kit. The glove comes off. Starline is held up. As Sir says, hold him. D- don't do this. I'm the only one who knows your past. The only one who can maintain your hatman. I built you for a higher purpose. We will shut up. As Starline's face is jammed with the hypnotic glove knocking him out.
2: He, he, he. Well,
1: he deserves worse. Ah, <laughs> uh, Haha, Kit asks the question, so now what? By the way, just want to keep in mind, Surge has been crying during all of this in hysterics. She is extremely affected by this. Now, now, we burn it all down. Sonic, Eggman, every idiot that follows either of them. We end it all. No more heroes, villains, nothing. If we don't get a past, they don't get a future.
2: (sighs) (sighs) Well, Kit is just asking, well... How do we do that? Don't know? Don't care. I'm just ready to wear off the treads on those brains first. And Kit does not want to stop her, but I, was, I have an idea. What do you think? And Surge will hear him out. Starline was already planning on bringing everyone together. We use his plan to a point, and we take things in our own direction. We take out Sonic and Tails' plan, then we take out the doctors after that. If that's okay with you, ma'am. Let the doc go to all the trouble just to take the fall. Yeah... Yeah, I can work with that.
1: So, Starline is awakening as Kit and Surge are chilling right in front of him. Quickly looking over, seeing the footage of Kit drowning. What? Are you finally awake, Doc? Uh, pretty sad you put yourself to sleep with your own monologue. M- my own, you were filling us in on the details, how you made us. Pre-mission prep or some nonsense? I wasn't paying full attention. I, I, I did? Sure did. And y- you're fine with this? Well, if I wasn't before, I'm pretty sure you wiped that out of my brain. Oh, oh, you, you made us powerhouses. Who-, who am I to complain? All I have to do to get a lifetime of hero worship is dust some ego-driven jerk, right? Easy Sal. Kid's cool with it too, right kid? Yes, ma'am, Be- he is because I say he is. Yes, ma'am. <sighs> well then, uh, good. I'm glad we're past that milestone. I really ought to stick to my schedule if I'm working myself to exhaustion like that, though. As the two look over at each other, grinning in complete joy at the fucking shenanigans they've just pulled off.
2: Surge goes, alright boss, what's the next plan? So Starline gets up, second wind, I'll explain. The restoration focuses on rebuilding, Eggman himself did as well, so... We will be invading his new capital city and upload the override program. Cramble the Eggman with his own bots. Love it, love it. As Starline reminds her, we will only be pacifying Eggman. Sonic and Tails remain primary targets. Our activities will lure them in and the badniks will suffice for artillery support. Focusing you two on what you were made for. Separate your targets. Strike them with no remorse. Said a surgeon kit. Look on each other, grinning. Their plans falling right into place.
1: Holy fuck!
2: Whoa, <laughs> <laughs> boy! Whoa, oh. boy! Um, a lot has happened there, and I feel a little shook, feel a little shaken to what this pulled off. Honestly, everyone looks back at the metal virus, and it's like, oh man, how did they get away with this? How is Sega okay with this? And yeah, you're right, but I don't see anybody talking about this and how far this goes. And I feel like we, like as a community. Need to take a second look and step back and go, wow, this is fucked up.
1: Yeah, again, I I said it, but they really were able to get away with something incredibly dark and incredibly fucked up here. Something that like very few artists or even creatives would ever be able to get away with in any reasonable amount of fashion. It pays off. They were able to convey something this intense in such a meaningful light and really go to show how fucked up starline is i i i have no words this this this, this shit is some this is some peak fiction
2: <laughs> yeah peak fiction despair you know, all the fun words and i mean wow i would never have guessed this is the direction that not only starline would go and just this comic would go in general because i mean this is ridiculous <laughs> it's ridiculous you know, we
1: went from "Don't call it a comeback," which was a relatively fun, upbeat arc with some interesting moral questions, to "Oh God, oh shit, oh God, it's all falling the fuck apart" with the Metal Virus Saga. To "Oh, well, this is this, we we got a
2: little, we got we got a little, we got a little character development,"
1: you know, and, and the and bad guys and the, the Deadly Six, and then we get
2: this never would have guessed it never would have guessed it well guys this is some heavy shit we've been talking about it so i think before we move on let's take a little bit of a breather we have some more lighter stuff to cover first because the next issue we'll be talking about is actually free comic book day released in 2022 written by ian flynn and art by ricardi curry
1: yes we have a bit of a reprieve uh, it's a shorter story not too long uh but it is definitely a well-needed breathe
2: <laughs> oh yes
1: we open as sonic and tails are flying in to angel island ah, it's
2: been a while uh, yeah
1: it's been a while knuckles awaits them leaping from the cliff as they prepare to land as knuckles gives sonic a bit of a stare uh what up knox i can't think of the last time you invited us up here i had second thoughts believe me you typically bring nothing but trouble boy most recently You brought Eggman, monsters, and a plague to my island. Brings a good point.
2: (laughs) Tails is like, well, come on, it was end of the world circumstances. Knuckles, I was above it all, and you dragged them here. And so, you know, the the boys got in between and saying, hey, listen, guys. Without Knuckles, we couldn't have brought together everybody and save everyone. That's what's most important, right? And Knuckles ends up agreeing and backs off from Sonic. And he says that Knuckles called the both of them here because he's heard some strange rumblings coming out of Marble Garden. The three of us work together well, so I figured for once I'd call in a little help. Which Sonic rips him for finally admitting he needs some help. It's like, no, nah, no, nah, I count on you to cause trouble, and I can count on Tails to keep you on target. Pfft, whatever, Knucklehead. Team Heroes back together for another adventure. They're not called Team Sonic; they're called Team Heroes.
1: It's Team Sonic. Anyways, <laughs> this is this is a very very cute setup. Um, it's been a while since we've had a Sonic Tails Knuckles uh, story, so I'm always a fan of these moments.
2: As they run through, Sonic asks, "Why are we here? If Marble Gardens on the other side of the island?" Jell says, "It's gonna be." a long trip if i remember correctly we'll have to climb red mountain pass through ice cap and descend through the carnival but sonic's like well why don't we just double back we'll get the tornado and take the shortcut through hydro city tells is like wait don't you mean hydrosity <laughs>
1: it's an it's an ancient full city full of water hydro city I'm pretty sure it's Hydrocity. So what side of the debate are we on? Uh, are, are we going to are we gonna have to do it? Are it we time? doing this
2: again? Okay, look, listen. I, I am a Hydrocity supporter. Listen, listen. I know it's Hydro City. I know it is. I know they confirmed it. However, I'm saying you're wrong. Hydrocity is fucking better. Fuck you. It's an
1: ancient city full of water. Hydro City. Sonic said it. He's right. <laughs> but Knuckles says it's moot. It doesn't matter. We'll take this shortcut. Pushing a rock over and showing the innards of Angel Island's caverns.
2: I believe this is supposed to be Hidden Palace. I think. Yeah, th- this is this is either Hidden Palace or Lava Reef. So Sonic's looking around. Oh, this place is pretty cool, too. Although I wanted to see another aerial view of Angel Island. And Tail says, wow, Knuckles, I'm kind of surprised you know so many of the island's secrets. As Sonic quips, it's the only way Knuckles could have stayed ahead of me. And Knuckles says he actually discovered most of the shortcuts pretty recently when I was looking for across the island for any metal virus remains. There are still whole regions I haven't explored. I don't like that
1: they foreshadowing. foreshadowing.
2: <laughs> uh, Knuckles opens another passage right into Marble Garden. Okay, everybody out. Come on. So Sonic tiptoes his way in. He remembers how unstable it was last time he was here, as Knuckles says that the quakes have only gotten worse this time. But Tails remembers the quakes were because of Eggman's reckless drilling. And Knuckles remembers as much, so if he's involved... And on cue, Eggman breaks through the wall in his old drill mech, surprising everyone as they meet each other. And Eggman screams, Why are you here? Knuckles says, Hey, this is my home. No, not you. The blue rat and the brat. Sonic says, Hey, hey, we're the special guests. You're the uninvited one. Eggman explains he was here with a... He's just having a fine time drilling for rare minerals. But you want to make this hard? Fine. Fine. You know the drill. Eggman launches the drill up the ceiling and causes debris to fall. Sonic has to dodge the falling rocks and hits the underside of the drill but just bounces off the reinforced armor. Look at that, Eggman can learn a lesson.
1: Wow, he's learning. He's, he's learning incredible.
2: So this leads Knuckles to have to hit it directly, doing more damage and going right for the cockpit, calling for Eggman to retreat to try to bury them alive. Drags the drills across the ground, Fissures break in the ground and the land splits apart, and Sonic ends up slipping off a piece of the dirt and falls into the chasm. Knuckles notices and Tails flies in to catch him. Tails is able to grab him and lifts him up a bit, launching him up towards the rocks, jumping off the falling degree, and the three climb back up towards the drill. Then Tails grabs Sonic again, spins to launch Sonic fast towards the cockpit, and causes some serious damage. Knuckles follows up, Tails delivers the final blow. And finally, with that done and dusted, Eggman ejects his Eggmobile from the drill, insisting he won as he damaged some real estate today. Though, Knuckles calls that a decisive defeat. Sonic thinks Knuckles is in the clear for now, and Tails offers to come back with them on the tornado. You know, do you want to see Restoration HQ? you really like what we've done with the place. Fortunately, though, Knuckles passes. I realize now that there are many mysteries on this island, and I will be not satisfied until I've uncovered them all. Which Sonic does say, hey, buddy, you ever need backup, you know where to reach us, okay? And Knuckles accepts. And hey, thanks for today.
1: Well, that was a cute little filler story for Free Comic Book Day. Got to see the boys going through Angel Island, a little bit of Marble Garden Zone action. That's a solid story.
2: Yeah, it's pretty great. And uh, to kind of cover everything... There is technically a B-story here that's written by David Marriott, who's the editor of IDW. It basically just serves as a recap of the story of the comic up until now, kind of told through the perspective of Starline to Kitten Surge as a briefing, using panels from various issues to illustrate the story. But with that being said, there is one important thing. Technically two important things I need to bring up about this issue, this free comic book day. Externally, this was seen as a way to promote Sonic Movie 2, which was about to release at the time, especially considering it's focusing on Sonic, Tails, and Knuckles, right? However, internally, they only reveal this kind of recently, but the boys at Sega consider this... A pre-prequel to Frontiers.
1: It ma- And it makes a lot of sense when you consider the final line Knuckles makes about needing to explore the island.
2: Yeah. So... Fellas, listen. We- we've said it before. We said it at the top of the podcast. IDW is canon. And I think this is kind of like the perfect proof of it.
1: Yep. It is absolutely fucking canon. So, it is time for Sonic the Hedgehog, issue 49.
2: Writing and art done by Evan Stanley.
1: So we open at Tails' workshop, as Belle has hooked up Tails' Miles Electric to a bunch of badniks. Sonic, under a sheet, not happy having to wait, but Bell sends a signal to all of the badniks, causing Tails to yank the sheet, Saying, wow, it's a great day to be Sonic the Hedgehog, completely unaware of any nearby danger. I sure hope no decks try to sneak up on me as the cute little guys just go about their business. Have a grand old time.
2: They're giving our boy Sonic no mind and Tails is joyed to see that it worked. These badniks have been completely pacified. Sonic quipping about how one badnik was so disinterested in him it's having more fun climbing a rock. And Bell's excited to see that this is sticking to the badniks. In this case maybe all of Eggman's robots can be saved. But Tails tells her don't get ahead of yourself. There's been all those weird things going on lately like the wildfire and the electrical storm in Central City. Yeah those aren't Eggman's style but Sonic stops everyone. If Eggman's up to something we handle it. No problem. Oh the only thing I'm worried about right now is lunch Who's up for tacos tails is right behind Ask Belle if he wants to come along but she's gonna chill for a second she wants some quality time with little moto bud here to which tails realizes wait a minute sonic did you say you want tacos not chili dogs you okay are you the real sonic which he says hey come on man i can eat other things Besides, I'll have the chili dog for dessert. Incredible. Later that night, Sonic's napping on Tails' couch with a book over his eyes. I feel like we've seen this scene before in the games, but I digress. He's woken up by the sound of scrapping wood being done by Motobud, and Sonic notices he gets up and is hobbling his way at the door. Do you want to go out or something? But he sees his eye is glowing a purple hue. Sonic touches it to get his attention, but Motobud swipes its pincers at Sonic in attack and leaps up to the couch. Ah, huh, that's not good at all, he thinks. Tails then wakes up after out Of his room hearing the commotion. Bro, come on. It's the middle of the night, man. What is what's going on? And I kind of do want to point something out here. If you look behind on Tails' shelf, this dude's got like a lot of a lot of knickknacks here. Like I counted them off. There's an Rwing, there's a Metaton figure from Undertale, a Star Wars TIE Fighter, the boy's got Gunpla, and even a model of the Guardian robot from Sonic the Comet.
1: Huh. Damn, that is a lot of shit.
2: I will say though, Tails absolutely would be in the Mecha anime
1: yeah he absolutely would
2: although i feel like the the politics of gundam would just go over his head and go wow cool robot
1: wow cool robot (laughs) oh god let's
2: let's not go there the two hear a crashing sound and it's coming from bell she herself is hobbling up her eyes glowing purple and mutters robotically i have to get out Tails then looks at her face and sees that she's under a command signal like the badniks we were testing with earlier and trying to get her to snap out of it bell raises her arm to strike tails sonic has to move in to block the attack tells him get to the back let's see if we can figure out how to block the signal sonic buys some time pushes her back and has to fight her way through sonic figures this has mad doc written all over it but bell hey blink once for eggman twice for Starline. but she yanks on her own tail does a hard kick and destroys the bookshelf sonic was in front of okay not in a bannering mood i'll note that down hey tails buddy are you done back there almost all right well whatever bell's easy enough to handle said as Mobotob dries under Sonic's legs and he stumbles. This leads Bell to pull off a finger revealing a switchblade about to drive it into Sonic's face. He barely dodges, but the Motobud's pincers hold him down by the glove, and with more sharp tools on her fingers, is prepared to drive them all into Sonic's body. That's kind of gruesome for a kid's yeah, comic. Yeah,
1: it's very, very, very gruesome, holy shit. But considering what we uh, we, almost ju- we we almost just went through, that's...
2: Yeah, kind of part and partial now. Fuck. Yeah. Tails jumps in,
1: slaps on the device, bell short circuit as Tails calls out there it's me i'm okay are you sure you're okay Uh, it's a good thing i had the prototype Zeti zapper it was a beacon bell says badniks all of them have been called in eggman is summoning an army and i i am going to find that man and give him a piece of my mind because i am tired of getting yanked around
2: tells them ask where's everyone being summoned to but bell feels the memory fading it's to the south kind of far away sonic figures we still got one badnik that knows where to go so sonic picks it up places it outside tells little guy lead the way so the three follow motobud and they come across a road that's being blocked off by a gaggle of badniks following the command signal and passing by there are some civilians in a truck that want to fight their way through and clear the way but sonic rushes in and quickly brings them to a hilltop further away tell them just lay low for now okay there's a house further up the hill Get inside, wait for this to blow over, okay? They continue onward. Time's passing. Sonic says, we've been following these badniks for hours. Are we getting any close? Tail says, no idea. There's nothing around other than more woods. Then he decides to fly up and see if there is anything. But he has to protect his eyes from the sudden shield of light after he gets over the trees. And Tail sees exactly where the badniks are heading towards. A new sprawling settlement made by Dr. Eggman, the Eggperial City. And its design is uh, a lot, I should say.
1: Yeah, it's very color-coded.
2: Yeah, and also, one thing I need to point out is that one of the solicitations for imposter syndrome originally called the Eggperial City Eggotropolis. And a part of me thinks that maybe it was renamed because it was a little too similar to another city Eggman conquered in days gone by.
1: His ghost still haunts
2: us. Bell is still trying to stop Motobud from going any further knowing that. Unfortunately, there's not much they can do. And Sonic thinks, I really can only think of one way to stop a badnik. But Bell pleads, can you at least take the zapper off me and put it on Motobud? But if that were to happen, Bell's vulnerable to the signal again. But last resort. Belle thinks she can cut Motobug's power, and that will end up scrapping it. Ultimately, though, Bell would rather that than Eggman getting his hands on Modabug. So, once inside the guts, Belle pulls the plug, Motobug powers down, and the signal is cancelled from him, but the badniks keep walking. However, Bell finds something in between Modabug's shell, pulls it out, it's a piece of paper, a letter written by Mr. Tinker.
1: To whoever finds this letter, it is for my daughter Belle. I hope that one day she might read it unlikely as that may be though i am captive i do not ask for rescue it is too late for that this is a confession to ease an old man's conscience. i lived a good life bringing joy to those around me watching you become the wonderful woman you are my captor is adamant that i am actually the would-be despot dr eggman the thought of it turns my stomach still i cannot deny the logic of his evidence i am not dr eggman but if i somehow lose myself to this nightmare i am truly deeply sorry to you and to the world i love you Bell. I always will. Goodbye. Mr. Tinkerer. Damn. Damn. Right for the gut, bro. Nah man, not like this. Bro, we've gone not through like- too much
2: in this fucking episode. <laughs> fuck me, man.
1: Yeah. So immediately after Imposter Syndrome 3, we get we get hit with this fucking shit. Holy fuck.
2: <laughs> and as for Belle. Belle just clutches that letter into her chest as the wind blows, accepting that her dad is truly gone. And she thinks it was stupid of her to try to make a difference. And she lets the letter slip from her fingers into the wind. But Sonic catches it with his shoe and reminds her, You've already been making a difference. All the little wins, all the good memories between the hard times, all the friends we find, those are real. No one can take that away. We have to keep moving forward together. Tails tells her they'll be going on ahead. If you want to go back to the workshop, that's fine. But Belle insists she's going to go with them. To which Sonic takes the both of them by the hand. Hang on, guys. This is going to require a little extra speed. To which Sonic boosts forward out of the forest and heading straight on to the Imperial City.
1: <sighs> so that is the end of Sonic the Hedgehog right before issue 50. We are not talking about it this episode. But we do have one final comic to close us out. Um, But before we do that, I just got to say, man, that letter, fuck, bro. I really, I really have to commend Evan for Belle. I think what she does with Belle is excellent. I like that Belle is very conflicted about her own existence because of Mr. Tinkerer. And I like the idea that it's something that eats away at her and that that letter is kind of like the tipping point, you know, it's, it's, it's really, really good.
2: It's so heart wrenching because it kind of feels, it feels real. The loss of a parent having to find their own identity, especially when they're like younger and trying to move past that and move forward. And our boy Sonic, Sonic's always got the right idea. Hey, yeah, it it sucks what happened to you and it's fair to feel the way that you feel, but you've done good since then. And that's what's really important. Love my boy, Sonic the Hedgehog stays goaded. Truly.
1: Truly. So, after many comics, after many, 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 many comics, we are finally at the end today with our last issue Sonic the Hedgehog Imposter Syndrome, issue four.
2: Written by Ian Flynn and art by Roethlisberger. We begin with a flashback early into the Metal
1: Virus play. May I ask you a question about your methods, sir? You may. Why all the theme parks? I like theme parks. Yes, but they aren't remotely practical. All the time, all those resources could be used more economically. I don't settle for the world as it is, Doctor. I make it what I want it to be. If I want my enemy's last moments to be carousel music and the smell of petroleum-based cotton candy, that's what'll make happen. Words to live by, sir, and no less inspiring even after all that's happened, Starline thinks to himself, overlooking the city with Kit and surge today is the beginning of the end dr eggman's wasteful ways sonic's endless futile war with him the sun will rise on a new era one where we control the narrative where we will guide the people of this world out of their complacency today begins my glorious new age of chaos and transformation surge let's do it doc as starline turns and surge over (laughs) her throat Kitsunami ready sir then let us begin the three race into the imperial city many things happen such as
2: such as they're dodging and smashing badniks kit is protecting Surge from a coconuts badnik throwing its bomb back to surge and kit coats it with water turns it back to sender they come across a super badnik with a hammer leading Starline to use his electric spurs to try to short-circuit it. Surge does a bounce attack up and down to smash through the badnik. As that's distracted, Starline heads inside to upload the override program. Distract everything. Surge admits that, uh, issues with Starlame aside, I do like this part of the plan. One destruction. Grab on, Drippy leading Kit to make a wather tether to keep up at Surge's pace. And as they run, Kit asks, do you really think it's okay for us to use his plan against Starline? Which Serge responds, every single act we do is justified, little man. The only person you should be loyal to is me. So now we see a little bit of, I guess, Surge's ideology, which is, all of my enemies are ontologically evil, therefore I cannot do anything bad against them.
1: Extremely based. This will surely not backfire on her in any way whatsoever in the future.
2: Of course not. Why would it?
1: Yes, absolutely. So meanwhile, Orbot and Cubot are sneaking back into Eggman's base, uh, worried that they will be found out for the uh, little vacation they decided to go on. Eggman quickly spots them, saying, where have you been? Uh, You know, just get a little R&R, says Cubot, before Orbot means, uh, what he means is we were conducting reconnaissance and more reconnaissance? Eggman just looks annoyed and says, just get back to work, log into the network, and get me a sitrep i'm getting reports sonic and tails are making a mess this is curious the battle data matches sonic's and tails but the decals are incongruent pulling up a visual now boss as eggman sees kitten surge who in the world are these two they're not on file and their security algorithms can't agree whether they're sonic and tails or not what's important here is they're wrecking my stuff i just have just the thing to deal with the pesky speedster and their bratty companions though meanwhile Surge is uh having a good time. Oh, this is the best Eggman has to offer. <laughs> Only reason Sonic hasn't won is cuz he clearly isn't trying.
2: Before. Before. Surge gets choke slammed into the wall by the myth, the legend, our boy Metal Sonic. To which upon seeing, Surge thinks, Oh, finally, I got a real challenge here. Surge Axe kicks her way out, freeing herself from the grip. But when trying to get another in, Metal pulls a command grab, slams her body to the ground. To which she hits a spin dash, which Metal tries to block her with his black shield, and she bounces off. Kit helps her back up, demanding he support her, by which she means in the battle. Then Metal and Surge rush into each other. Surge taunts him that you don't got the heart or the soul to be the real Sonic, as of course in the art they're posed quite similar to the Clash in the OVA, of course.
1: Surge takes a sucker punch to the stomach, before dodging another swipe from Metal Sonic, as Kit uses his Hydro Whips to latch onto Metal Sonic's arm and he ain't got the backup as Kit is dragged across the ground thanks to Metal Sonic before being hit with a humming attack from Surge. Metal Sonic goes in for another lunge before being dragged by Kit and Surge saying, drown him. Placed in an orb of nothing but water, Surge revs up and quickly amasses an intense electrical charge before snapping and directing it onto Metal Sonic in the water orb. You're never going to be Sonic, because I'm going to replace him. And you're not even good enough to be my fake.
2: Raw! Goat! Kino! Swag! Kino! Swag! Goat! So good. So good. Anyway, Kit's head is all fine and dandy, just happy to be of some help, he says. (laughs) Oh, we're gonna get along just fine, kiddo. And Eggman is quite pissed at the show of force. Sonic's victories are bad enough, but at least he shows respect. Then Orbot warns him, boss, there's a weird log in the Eggnet. And they look into it. And they find on the other side, Dr. Starline. You surprised by my return, Doctor? Eggman says he's not. It's just a matter of it. You're supposed to be back bowing and scraping for daring to sass me, not sulking around in my server and. Uh, what are you exactly are you doing? Succeeding you, sir.
1: Starline hits the button on the computer to finish the upload and initiate the override program as bad nicks the world over fall under his control. Including Orbot and Cubot.
2: I also do want to point out, we do see specific areas like Mystic Cave and Hilltop with those badniks coming through, which the way I read it, I interpreted it as like, I guess all of IDW Sonic up to this point has been taking place on Westside Island, I guess?
1: Maybe? Who knows? Either way. Either way, Eggman immediately knows that he has to get out of here, uh, as Orbot and Cubot call him Old Boss. He smacks the two of them down as the majority of badnecks come to surround him presses a button, and jumps in a hole.
2: He's outie. To which we then see Starline being carried out by his new badnik horde, Kit and Search finding him, asking if it's everything he ever hoped to be. And with a tear in his eye, he says, Oh, it's as bittersweet as I hoped it would, but we've only just begun. Onward to my new seat of power. Which then Starline arrives to the main tower of the Eggperial City. Orbot and Cubot offer him Eggman's throne, and Orbot welcomes the new boss. Your word is our command. Starline gives the first order. Transmit to the override code across the Eggnet. Bring every badnik in the new Starline Empire to me. Sonic will undoubtedly notice what's happening in Ervine, and then will be confronted, then replaced. This is how it's done. Patience, planning, and preparation. Every single variable, accounted for and controlled. Tonight, my meal is victory. Though, Cubot's still squished, and when Starline asks why, he says, oh, Eggman did it before he escaped. And Starline kind of panics, but Orbot explains that they went into the chute going into the memorial garage. The display museum's not finished yet. But Starline thinks, well, perhaps this is manageable. Whatever he uses will be taken over once it goes online. Send in a detachment to gently take him to custody, if you please. So then, Eggman in the memorial garage is inspecting some mechs that he used in Conquest Past. We see the Egg Dragoon, for example, the Egg Emperor, the Super Egg Robot from Advance in the Foreground, and right in front, the Egg Robo from Lost World. Eggman looks at everything and says, I wish I had more time to refurbish them, but, uh, Oh well. And so Eggman climbs in one of them, starting up, all systems, full power. Offline boot sequence complete, full manual control online. This one will have to do. Kit
1: looks at it in awe as the amount of badniks pass through him. Search? Eh, I could take them. Once we smoke Starline and the others, I'll get you to reprogram them all to self-destruct. Well, half. I want to smash most of them. Eh, we'll figure something out. About that, how will we handle Sonic? I handle Sonic, you handle Tails. But if the egomaniac comes in solo, we'll handle him like Metal Sonic. But if he's got the brat in tow, it's your job to keep him from distracting me. Once the heroes and doctors are done, we'll be free to play it by ear. Hunt down all their little friends, topple every stupid city that threw him a parade. Tear it all down. Just you and me, kid. Sound good? I can't wait.
2: That's it. That closes Imposter Syndrome Issue Four. That's the end of all the comments we've got to today. And my God, fellas, I am beat. <laughs>
1: sum up. Let's let's sum it up. Imposter Syndrome is a fucking immaculate accomplishment. It is incredible how good what Ian and Co were able to accomplish with it. Evan Stanley's setup was excellent. Ian's delivery here was flawless. Yep,
2: yeah, they nailed it. This is probably the best set of comics we've covered thus far. Absolutely.
1: You also have to consider that there was a 10-issue lead-up to issue 50. So next time, we will be covering what many consider to be the current zenith of IDW Sonic, Sonic the Hedgehog issue 50.
2: We are in the deep end, folks, and all the payoff we're going to see in the next episode of the IDW Sonic Rundown. Folks, I want to thank you so much for sticking around with us. This was a long one pre-show notwithstanding but either way thank you so much for joining us and as always i'm sure you guys must have many thoughts and opinions on idw sonic this one in particular don't be afraid to leave your comments down below in the youtube channel let us know what you think subscribe to the channel hit the like button all that fun stuff and of course would be remiss to end the episode without shouting out our new patrons we got jp21 coming in two dollars a month and Greg at $5 a month. Welcome, guys. Thank you so much for joining on. You you picked a great episode to join us on, let me tell you, son.
1: Oh, yeah, you did. Uh, that pre-show rant is something, huh? <laughs> oh,
2: it sure is. Uh- but yeah if you want to join them it's patreon.com slash sonic two dollars a month you get bonus content like the episodes early and our react series for all the sonic tv shows five dollars a month it's that plus our pre-show and let me tell you the pre-show this episode was pretty extensive because good lord and fifteen dollars a month is all that plus a video version of the podcast again thanks so much for sticking around with us we'll see you next time for the next part where we conclude this imposter saga of idw sonic we'll see you next time folks.
0: He's got his guardian starts to dance. I'll tell you that that is. That is Dr. Eggman with his evil empire and evil plans. Eggman wants to conquer the world, but the headshot won't let that go whenever Sonic's anger explodes. Seven is will be the theory of his aggression And that will change anyone's perceptions without him Superhero but she's here, self-proclaimed girlfriend You cannot save her, but he'll always save her Whenever something is up, there's some kind of danger And the story goes on, it's always super fine Bye.